You're listening to Casual Swim. Andreas, thanks for speaking to Casual Swim. Uh, welcome to London. You were saying that you've been here multiple times, like yes. over 30 times. What's different about London City as such? Uh, it's it, it's forever changing. Yeah, it's forever since I've been coming here. What is the same nowadays? Everything's changing. Brooklyn's changing. Detroit's changing. Gentrification has changed everything. Uh, well, I guess you're a Detroit native. Yeah. Can you tell us about what that was like growing up and being a part of the music coming out of that? Is it true that the house beat in Detroit was taken from the assembly line of the car and every time the belt kind of hit, that was the house beat and that, that therefore that translated into house? Or is that true? Or? You know, this is, my, this is the first time hearing that story. That sounds very interesting. Um, I don't know, but... I would like to look into that, and it it might make some sense. There there has to be some truth, as most... The premier job that you wanted in Detroit would be a factory job. So, so many factory workers, there could have been some truth in that. You know what I mean? People being on the line and being influenced by, you know, those sounds and things. I don't know, but that's, uh, you know... Can you tell us about the, the culture of, uh, like, I don't know, you hear about Carter House and even the way like London Grime, but can you tell us what was unique about what was happening in the music world in Detroit with the whole hip-hop stuff, there's a lot of crossover, but yeah, what was it like to grow up in that uh, kind of atmosphere? Well, in my younger, as a, as a young, young, young man, as a child, I moved, I moved to California when I was five years old, and from five to 14, I was in California, the music I was hearing in California was Egyptian Lover, all the techno cuts, the stuff on the techno cuts label, the the Ice T stuff, you know, as well, you know, as far as definitely all the hip hop stuff. But I was hearing a lot of the West Coast electro stuff, and it was being mixed right with the, all the Wanak and stuff. Now at this time, I had no idea where any of the well, I, I knew that about the LA stuff, but. I didn't know anything about Cybertron or where it was from, and I found that out later. Ready? One, two, three, four.
it was a blessing that I was in California because I still got to hear that music, even though I wasn't in Detroit. Mm. So when did you move? Did you move to Detroit after? At or? the age of 14. Yeah. In 1988. So I had already heard all the, 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 the Cybertron records and stuff, and that's where I found out where that music actually came from. But mm. up until then, I was just hearing it all mixed together. And it was like, I was like, okay, now I know where this is from. I instantly gravitated to to Wanak and the sound. You know, all the other uh, techno legends, you know, I enjoyed some of their stuff, but I gravitated to Wan's stuff because it was mixed in with the... Uh, it was in the same vein as the electro that I had grew up on. And me being a b-boy, anything that I could pop lock to, yeah. I, I instantly gravitated to it. So... Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was it was just mind blowing, like finding out the history about uh, you know Technicolor and and I worked at a record store in high school, which is where I met, which was the premier record store, uh, by the way. Is that, that the one that Moody Man talks about sometimes? Yes, it is. Yeah. That's where I met Moody Man. That's where I met Rick Warheit. Yeah. That's where I met Mr. Day. That's where I met. DJ Assault, that's where I met Theo Parrish, that's where I got a lot of my edu. that's where I got my education. So you were working there? Or, yeah. And then they would always come in and uh, buy records off of you, essentially, or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I controlled all the hip-hop stuff, uh, Kenny and DJ Stingray controlled all the, the dance stuff.
learned what everything was got got my got my education of what was what you know what i mean yeah so in terms of you dropped some good names in there in terms of like when you and moody look for records uh is there anything that you guys do look for in particular or do you go by uh like the record label or do you go by the artist name or do you sometimes stumble across unknown like what's the what's your methodology for Finding wax. Well, I can't say it's anything in particular. Mm. Sometimes you feel like, oh, if you know a label, I mean, we're we're all, we're all, um, we might be attracted to certain things. We might say, oh, I know this label. Oh, I know this artist. But for the most part, I don't get wrapped up in that because, like, from Jay Dilla, I learned, you know, don't sleep on that little funny looking record in the corner. It might have some shit on it. You know what I'm saying? Go listen to that. Don't just go by all oh, and. Like it's a hole. Put down your mic, you lost your whole world. You take it too seriously, like it's a gamble. Fuck this rap shit, I listen to classical. In the studio, new ass, usual. Love it, love my lyrical. For bitches that you would know. I'm out of this, cause you wanna be below. Y'all niggas in love with the S. Y'all niggas in love with the S. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
because you sleep. So that's what he would say. He would be like, uh, not necessarily what he would say, but yeah, yeah. that's what I learned from him. He would Dilla would always tell me like, you know, clean the house, put the record on, listen to it, because there's plenty of records that I've listened that I own where I'm listening. And, you know, just for whatever reason I hear, I'm like, oh, shit, Dilla used that. Hold on, let me bring that back. And I didn't hear the part because I wasn't patient enough to listen to the record. So he hand-slapped you and go, boy, listen to that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, you know, that's one thing I'll, I I could say I learned from listen to you. He would give me records, and I'd be like, man, there ain't shit on here. What's on here? And, of course, it's something on there, but you got to listen. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it. It's time consuming, you know what I'm saying? We don't all, you know, every, everybody's in a rush. Everybody's doing everything so quick, you know. We, we skim through records real quick. Nobody just lets the needle play and just... It's a metaphor for life there. <laughs> yeah, everyone's exactly. running through life. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, going back to that record store, was uh, the relationship between house and hip-hop, like, I remember when I interviewed Slum Village, they said after their gig... They were just bang techno, and and in London, the hip hop and techno communities and worlds are kind of a little bit different. But it seems in Detroit, it was much more intertwined and connected. Is that the truth? Well, you gotta think. Um, at at a particular time, people thought Juan Atkins was, you know. People didn't know that those were black people making the records, like what? You know what I'm saying? And like that shit really. It was certain at a certain in a certain in the eighties, I was told promoters would go to DJs and be like, "Don't play that wine shit up in here," like people act up because of the the nature of yeah they get rowdy right? like yeah. Mm, 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 yeah, okay. like you know you might start a fight I mean people that shit was the shit like well, starting fights on house yeah. <laughs> yeah well you know yeah. like you know techno like yeah. but yeah like if if the beat was I mean it was just you had the most aggressive, the most gangster dudes loving, you know, you play Clear, you play Alleys of Your Mind, you play Cosmic Cars, it's not going to be the, it's not going to be the lame, nerdy guys out there, it's going to be the, the, yeah. the real that's action a, guys, like, a, yeah. you know. It's it, amazing, I love that, because yeah. now, nowadays, I guess the house world, especially when you, you think of a stereotypical house DJ, He's, he's what you mentioned, like a geeky white dude, you know? And to be to be like from a different place mm-hmm. and playing that music, like were you received well by all communities or were there times where you weren't received well around the world? Or like do people, like sometimes when they've heard your music but have not seen you and then you go out to play, is that always a positive thing or is it, yeah? I think it's always been positive. My blessing has been my style of DJ. Uh, I blend genres. That's an art in itself, right? It, yeah, that's arguably the uh, the hardest uh, is to put genres together, to building it up from a hip hop to a house. Theo Paris said, "I don't listen to genre; I listen to tempo," and that makes a lot of sense because my thing is, if I can mix it together, I can play it together, whatever it is. If I can make it fit, if I can weave it into the story, I'm I'm all about breaking rules i'm all about curveballs i'm all about shock value i want you to say oh shit he's mixing that with that like oh hell no like Mm. all that like and it also has to be a surprise for me 
I, I never know what I'm going to do. It's never so, planned. It's always off the cuff. And it's, it's exciting to me as it is to you. Now, there's certain things that I do. If I do something, if I mix something, if I blend something tonight, I try to remember it, to do it again. But sometimes I don't always remember it. You know what I mean? But sometimes if some, I have certain blends. And what I mean by blends is I'll play two records together. Like for the duration, and it's a it's a whole new it's a remix, it's a whole new record or whatever you want to call it. And I like doing that because I always tell people I don't have all the records in the world, or a lot of us have the same records, but I'm gonna play them differently.
to me when I was I had to play last. Uh, so I'm typically radio and journalism, but I had to play the other week, and I was going through and getting lots of new jams, and I was like, all these are, they're all heat, but if you're a DJ that plays heat, how am I any different to another person that just has like a good like has bangers essentially, you know? And I'm like, that's to me not the most artistic thing because I anyone can do that. Like how how do you craft something together? That's like tunes that you really like, but you're not just playing bangers the whole time. Yeah. I think everything has to do with transitions, choice, timing, when you bring stuff out, when you, you know what I'm saying? The it, it becomes the story in itself, and how do you weave in, out, in and out of, of the story, so to speak? How do you maneuver through? The story, you let the songs tell a story, you know, you know, things like that. You, how you build it up, you know what I mean? Do you, do you fuck with the levels and like... The EQ? Yeah, or not, yes. just like all, all the meds and all that kind of stuff, yeah? Uh, I'm not crazy with it. Yeah. I'm no Theo Parrish, but... Yeah. Yeah, um, I, I, I do believe that you, you need peaks and valleys, you need hills, you need dynamics you need highs and lows you gotta drop out stuff sometimes and then you know you, they want to hear that bass come in come back in you know what i'm saying so you know i like uh you know um my, my family is, is 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 you know my parents are both you know cuban and jamaican so i i, I have what you know i definitely have west indian blood in me and you know i'm i'm, I'm definitely a product of that 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 what i call you know that's dub for me you know what i mean and so yeah i, I definitely like to you know tap into that you know like what i mean base levels. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah i like uh, i definitely like that excellent so i guess talking moving away from djing and into production do you have a set creative approach for how you produce like take can you walk us through uh how what production looks like from you in terms of uh actual actually creating the music do you have a studio do you wake up at the same time? I was Creating, I, I pretty much do a lot of pre-production. Most of my pre-production I do at home. I just pull up the NPC and get to working. Mm. But I would say creating, a, creating. I just, it all depends. I, I, I look for however I'm feeling. I'll get an idea melodically or I'll get an idea to say, okay, let me... I'll decide, okay, let me, maybe I want to sample some piano or some guitar or whatever, and I'll go about trying to find those sounds, not necessarily always off of a record. It could be anything. It could be off the Internet. You know, you could have somebody come by and just play some chords or whatever. And uh, But I try to find chords, and I try to arrange them in a certain way or melody or whatnot and then from there I go to adding you know I used to do drums first but I kind of get more of uh, the melodic content and then then you can find drums that are, that are more complementary to your melodic bed if you will well so this melodic bed is that just like is that uh yeah what what is that how many bars is that? Is that something that kind of changes all the time, or? I mean, it, it might be. It'll probably start off as a four-bar thing, and then from there, I change. You know, 
I, I, it'll probably be still be four bars, but different things going on or changes. But I start, so I start with a groove, and then just start, you know, adding, building the uh, the percussion and stuff, and then. Once I get like uh, you know the skeleton to say the melodic piece and then adding drums, then I start just adding other elements, maybe a bass line or you know strings. You know you just start. You put the producer hat, your producer hat on, and you just start thinking, you know, what do I hear in this? And 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 the whole thing is to. I think the struggle of any producer or the, not struggle, but the goal is to translate what you're hearing in your head to the machine, which is not easy for everybody. You might hear something in your head, but you have to find that sound or something resembling that or, or whatnot or close to it. So that could be frustrating, but yeah, it's pretty much just, let me try to, how do I translate what I'm hearing in my head to this drum machine? And do you need to you know need to know the like you probably know the NPC like the back of your hand right <laughs> yeah well enough to do what I'm trying to do enough to do what I'm enough to accomplish what I'm trying to do I I don't have a master I don't know everything that it's capable of doing I'm not even gonna be I'm not even gonna lie but I know enough to do what mm. I'm trying to do so uh, in terms of your uh, technology and music are you so this is obviously a bag full of vinyl. Yeah. yeah, some CDs, USBs in there, but the bottom is vinyl. Vinyl. And what do you think about kind of like uh, vinyl versus Serato? Or like, do you have any, are you uh, kind of, are you a traditionalist in that sense? Or do you have any uh, aversions to technology like Serato and whatnot? I've spun on, on friends of mine's, like, they're Serato. I don't own Serato. Um, I wouldn't mind having Serato, but... I don't know if I want to buy Serato. You know, I'd love to have it, but um, you know, it's I enjoy somewhat. I enjoy playing vinyl. Um, I sell vinyl. Yeah, I mean that's where it comes from. Probably. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. it's important for me to promote what I sell. Hundred percent. It seems to be uh, like I don't know. There was a hard period for a while, but it seems to be booming right now, right? It's come back in, and do you do you feel like yeah? What are your thoughts on the resurgence in vinyl, like? I love it. I love it. I think vinyl is vinyl is definitely a collector's piece. Um, I mean, it's cool. To, you know, forty fives is are a big thing right now. I mean, any way that vinyl can stay in the picture and the conversation, I think is is a, is very important because I personally feel that nothing sounds better than a good record on a good system. Not Serato, not anything else. The warmth of a of record is yeah. is good. Amazing. Uh, so, if you were a young, uh, up and coming, uh, I guess artist in like Hackney or in Tottenham, what advice has been given to you that you would pass down to I don't know the next generation of whoever of musicians or DJs? Is there anything that you've been told, or any kind of anything that you held as your own principles through? the creative world or say do what you do do what you're good at i know i know djs that that you know spend like other guys and i i don't believe in that i think you should do what you do do your thing shine you know let your light 
shine, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Um, I guess we were talking about it before, though. Uh, like, how do you, how did you find your voice, or how would you recommend other people find their voice if the tunes, like, like say for me, for instance, when I was playing that set, I uh, got all these new tunes and they were real fresh, and but then I was like, there's no personality in it. It's just me banging out whatever I think is good tunes, you know. So how would you? Add in your level of personality. Is that um within DJing? Mm. How do I how do I how do I insert my personality in it? Yeah. I guess just my my way of of crafting the the, the mixes and, and and whatnot. I'm a very uh, spontaneous guy. I like the element of surprise. Mm. So you really never know what that next record is gonna be. And I like to keep it, you know, interesting. I like to keep it, you know. I mean, aside from, you know, uh, sometimes I'm on the mic, sometimes I'm not on the mic, but that's all. Awesome. Jump up on the mic and yeah. do and have a chat with people. Yeah. Well, you know, just you, you got. My thing is, you got to make a connection with the people. Yeah, actually, I think uh, Moody Man does that as well, mm-hmm. right? He jumps on, and I heard him with Omar They played, I think, in the last year, yeah. and I found it such a good paradigm where you have someone like it's almost like they're presenting a piece of like performance to you know it's but if it's just DJing it can get misconstrued but when you go there and you hear Moody on the mic it's like you know it's like a welcoming thing yeah yeah Yeah. and so yeah I think you know just that's why that's what I mean by doing you to the fullest because that's the way that's the way it becomes you you know what I'm saying if you're being true while you're spinning and it then that you know that can be you know your there there can be traces of you know your personality within that you know what i mean looking to the future uh are you still excited about uh making music and touring and like is it, it does it still excite you after you've been doing it for so many years now yeah i like i love to create music i like i like making people happy i like when people hear my stuff you know, like last night I spun and the majority of stuff I played, I made. So to rock a party with stuff that people haven't really heard before is amazing. Mm. And they've heard some of it because, you know, I played some of the stuff that, that has been out. Do you but... have to play new, new for you every time? No, but I try to most of the time yeah. I do. It's my biggest record and I have a special way of playing it too. Yeah. I mix it with uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit acapella. Really? And it goes perfect. Yeah. So it's curveballs like that. I'm sure people have heard it now, especially here. But I'm just saying, I do it. Yeah. And there's, I'm sure there's people that haven't heard it. But, yeah, people bug out like, what? You know what I'm saying? And things like that. But, yes, I've, I've been places and I haven't played new for you. but Yeah, you love to, you love to play it. Yeah, I do Fair play enough. it. Uh, so wrapping it up, this is a question I ask loads of people. It's a bit somber, but how would you want... Andres's music to be remembered in history. Man, how to answer that? I mean, I would like to. I would like for people to know that I was passionate about music. I would like for people to know that I was passionate about my collection. Uh, I would like for people to know that there's textures to my music. There's layers. Might appear to be a loop, but when you break it down, it's because there were people that were saying, "Oh, it's new for you. It's just a loop." And, you know, I mean, you never know what people are going to... I didn't know that was going to be my biggest record so far, you know? 
you never know what people are going to gravitate to. So I would, I would just like people to know that, that I, you know, that I wanted, that I wanted them to feel good when they were listening to whatever I was playing. Cause I'm really big on feeling like it has to, I, like when I make that, whenever I start making some music, whatever that first start, whenever I, whatever I create a melody out of to create the, to start with, to have something to add drums to, I have, I have to, in, in order to move forward, I have to feel it. Mm -hmm. If I don't feel it, then let's try something else. But I have to feel good, and yeah. I don't know what it is, but it has to have a, a certain amount of soul to it and just musicality, and it has to touch you in a way like, oh, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. I, I try to go for that emotion. That's awesome. Uh, well, Andreas, thanks for talking to Casual Swim. Uh, yeah, it's been good.